23. I love that song. Uh, I like the word where it says, don't get shy, because a lot of times we can get shy talking about Jesus, and it's a good reminder that we've got the Holy Spirit. That song said we got a lion inside of our lungs, and so I love just how that song, just how descriptive it is, and it's just a good reminder that, man, we got the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the Lion of Judah inside of us, and uh, man, let it out. Let him, let him sing through us. Thank you, Evan, for that song. And then um, I love the part where it says, I, I, I know it's not much, but I have nothing else fit for a king. And today we're going to look at some guys, they were trying to serve their king as best they could, and they gave their best. And, and it's a good reminder, we're to give our best to our king. Uh, at this time, these soldiers, their king was King David. And man, they were willing to do some incredible things for their king because they loved David so much, and David loved them. Uh, he had a special relationship uh, with these mighty men, these, these warriors. Uh, but it's just a good reminder, we have a special relationship with our king, the Lord Jesus, and uh, what are we willing to do for him? Uh, there's a, an old story of a rich man, and uh, he had this mansion. He loved to throw parties, and he had a saltwater pool, all right? And he loved, he owned like a fish that he got out of the ocean. He, he owned a lot of species out from the ocean. And he would throw these parties and uh, he would release whatever he owned into this pool and people would watch him swim. Well, at this one party, he couldn't wait. He had two great white sharks. Somehow he got his hands on two great white sharks. And so he gathered everyone at the pool and he made the big announcement, I'm going to release these great white sharks into the pool. And so he did. Everybody gathered around, oohed and odd, couldn't believe it. And then he gathered everyone else around and said, I got another announcement. He said, I will give $1 million to the first person who jumps into this pool and swims across the pool. As soon as he said that, there was a splash. Everyone turned to see. And they said that they'd never seen a person swim, even in the Olympics, across that pool that quick. He got to the uh, the other side of the pool, and he jumped out of the water. And the man, the rich man, he just began to clap. And he con wanted to be the first person. He ran over there, wanted to be the first person to congratulate this man for his uh, bravery and uh, his courage. And also to congratulate him because now he won a million dollars. He couldn't believe that someone would do that. And the, he got over there to shake his hand, and the guy, he said, do you have anything to say? And he said, I've just got one thing to say. Who pushed me in the pool? All right? <clears throat> sometimes we need to be pushed. Uh, sometimes it's good to be uh, pushed. And this morning, uh, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will push us, not in a mean way, but in a gentle way, in an encouraging way, in a way that will strengthen us, embolden us, empower us to take a stand uh, for the Lord. Uh, the title of my sermon this morning is, Don't Miss Your Chance to Take a Stance 
so you'll enjoy the dance. And you may say, what's the dance? Well, the great theologian John Michael Montgomery said, life's a dance. You learn as you go. And then he said about that blue-eyed girl, sink or swim, got to give it a whirl. All right, another great theologian from the mountains of Blue Ridge said, you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything, y'all bunch of rednecks, all right? My favorite part is when he says, never compromise what's right, uphold your family name. You got to stand for something, no, you'll fall for anything. Right, my real favorite part is the beginning of the song, song, and he starts off in that deep voice, and he says, Daddy didn't like trouble, but if it came along, everyone who knew him knew which side that he'd be on. And as Christians, we don't go pick fights. We're not out there looking for Satan, um, but... When Satan does come prowling around, uh, when trouble does come or an opportunity to take a stand does come, and it will, I hope everyone who knows us knows which side we'll be on. It's been said that cowardice asks the question, is it safe? And I'll say this, it's never safe to stand up for God. Unless you're in a setting like this. All right, this is kind of, this is a safe place because we come and we worship God. Consensus asks the question, is it popular? And again, it's never really popular to take a stand for God unless you're in a setting like this. And then sometimes, according to what you say, it might not be popular. Our conscience asks this question, is it right? And I'll say this, it's always right to stand up for God. 2 Samuel 23 is where we'll be reading today. And 2 Samuel 22, 23 are kind of like the last words of David uh, in public. Uh, These public proclamations uh, that are given in these two chapters are the last time we hear from David. Though he speaks again, it's just not in public. Then in verse 8, it gives the account of these mighty men that are in David's army. Now, these men would be known kind of like today, the Marine Raiders or the Green Beret or the Delta Force or Navy SEALs. These were tough dudes uh, who were brave, who were courageous, who were smart. And these guys, they were taught and learned. They learned from David. David was one of the greatest warriors. He was a great king. And so they learned a lot of these skills from their own king. And that's just a good lesson of discipleship. That's a good lesson that we're passing on the gifts and the talents and the qualities. Like this morning, uh, Revelation song. Sung by the young lady. Her brother sung the last song. Her daddy was standing beside her. A family. And they, they got beautiful voices. They could be using their mouths and their tongues for anything, but they stood up on this stage and they blessed us. Daughter, son, father, up here on this stage, singing, leading us in worship. We got the benefit from it because, man, they've got incredible voices. I'm sitting there envious of their voices and in a good way, (laughs) I I think. And uh, (laughs) if I could steal your voice, I would. Um, 
And so we got the benefit, and I'm just sitting there like, wow, thank you for using your gifts and your talents, uh, playing the guitar and singing these great songs to lead us in worship. So David passed this down. Their parents also passed this down, and we'll see that in the text. So let's read uh, 2 Samuel 23. Uh, We'll start with verse 9. We're going to look at uh, two of these guys, all right? Verse 9, it says, And next to him among the three mighty men was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, son of Ahohi. He was with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel withdrew. He rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day and the men returned after him only to strip the slain. Verse 11. And next to him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Harite. The Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils. And the men fled from the Philistines. But he took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck down the Philistines. And the Lord worked a great victory. So let's go back and we'll go back to verse 9. And the way we'll do it this morning is this. We'll just work through verse by verse. And we'll talk about it. And we'll see where the Lord uh, leads to that. So we'll start next to him among the three mighty men. Now here's the thing you got to realize. If these men did not do these great feats, if they didn't stand up when they had this chance, we would not be reading about them in God's word this morning. All right? So God honors. God honors. He loves when people take a stand. He loves when you're going to have your chance. We get our chance all the time, just like that little boy. He had a chance, and he just gently, lovingly just shared what he had been taught. And that's basically what we do. That's what making disciples is about. We just, we just share what we learn. We, we, we read the Scripture, and we just share it. Parents, a great place you can share the Scripture. It's just with your kids. Whatever you're learning in your quiet time, you pass that on to them while you're driving them to school. It could be that simple. When you pick them up on the way to ball practice, when you lay them down at night, uh, those are just easy, simple times that you can share uh, with your children about Jesus Christ. And then you can be more intentional. You can buy a, a, a storybook Bible and read through it with them uh, in the evenings when you lay them down to bed. Uh, however you choose uh, to do it. But these men, uh, they were mighty. They were uh, unbelievable men, like I said, and we wouldn't be talking about them, all right? And they were there, these mighty men, they were there to serve their king, all right? I'm reminded of what Jesus said in John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey my commands. Here, King David was telling them to defeat, to defend these fields that they were in. Everybody else ran off, but they stayed because they loved their king. Um, I'm reminded of this. First Chronicles 16.11 says this, and this is the only way I think that we're, we will be capable of taking that, that stance when we have a chance is if we're walking with God. First Chronicles 16.11 says this, Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Psalms 105.4 says the same thing. Seek the Lord in his strength. 
seek his presence continually. The son of Dodo, the son of Aohi, we learn in First Chronicles that this man, even though he had a funny name, he was a captain. He was a captain of a squadron of 24,000 men. So his dad wasn't no joke either. His dad was a leader. And we learn from that his dad passed on to his son. His son would not have been able probably to do this or had that unless it was instilled in him and his dad passed that on. Uh, to him. All right, we'll keep reading. He was with David, and they defied the Philistines. Now, in this text, when you see the word Philistine, I just want you to think enemy. The Philistines were nagging enemies of the Israelites all through the Old Testament. All right, they, they fought them all the time. Our three enemies are this, our flesh, our sin nature, that's one of our enemies, the world, and I'm not talking about the cosmos. I'm not talking about the nature of God. I'm talking about this evil world system that we live in that's anti-God. That's an enemy of ours that we are steadily in war with. And then our great enemy is Satan. Uh, the Bible describes Satan as a liar. He's the father of lies. He's the creator of lies. The Bible pulls no punches. It tells us what Satan is about. He's here to steal kill and destroy our lives. He's not here to throw us a party, be our friends. He hates our guts. He, he wants to, he hates God and he wants to steal glory from God. And one of the ways he steals glory from God is by destroying the children of God. And so it says that they defied the Philistines. And what that tells me is they hate, hated the Philistines. They would not obey the Philistines. All right. Um, we're to hate what God hates, love what God loves. Psalms 97.10 says this, people who love the Lord hate evil. And so there's a lot of things out there as Christ followers, man, it's to turn our stomach. Like when I got to talking about school just now, I got a little nervous feeling. I was telling the high school boys and high school girls, uh, we get to talking about school, I get kind of a sick feeling in my stomach because I'm like, man, am I, do I have to start back school? All right, they'll have to start taking these tests and quizzes and getting up early and reading. And man, that just gives me a, gives me a shaky feeling, all right? I don't like it. Um, so I feel for these students because I know what they're about to walk into. Uh, they've had the whole summer off and now they've got to get up early and now they've got to go and do the schoolwork. And that can be a little nervous, especially first day uh, nervousness, all right? My point, <laughs> I don't even know why I shared that. My point is, though, everything in Scripture that God's against, we're to be against. But everything in Scripture that God loves and is for, we're to be for. All right? And it's not rocket science. It's clear. Uh, it's, it's pretty black and white when you read the Bible. Okay? But it says they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. Again, they weren't there to be friends with the Israelites. They weren't there to be buddy-buddy with them. They were there for one reason, and that was to destroy the Israelites. And our enemies, that the one that lives within us, our sin nature, this world, and Satan. Again, you may feel like, oh, they want to be my buddy. They want to be my friend. Again, never get confused. They're here to destroy our lives, okay? Know that. And it says they were gathered there for battle and the men of Israel withdrew. All right. Here's an important lesson. 
whenever we're taking a stand for God, sometimes it may be lonely. Sometimes we may be the only ones. The rest of the crowd may withdraw. The rest of the crowd may leave. And when you're taking a stand for Christ, just know this going into it. Uh, people may leave your side. People may not be there when you need them. And so they went into this battle thinking they were by themselves. But can I tell y'all something? We're never by ourselves. Jesus says this, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He's given us a friend. He's given us a counselor. It's called the Holy Spirit that lives in us. He will give us what we need. He's our instructor. He's our friend. He's the one that gives us power when we need it, when we're fully dependent on him. And y'all, when I look at this, I'm like, how does one man defeat all these Philistines? That's impossible. And that's the place that God wants to get us to. God wants us to get us where we cannot do it in our own strength. We have to depend upon God. So the man of Israel withdrew, verse 10. He rose. <laughs> he rose. All right, when I hear that, I think immediately of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right? 1 Corinthians 15, 55. It says this, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what gives us the victory. That's what gives us, that's why we're able, if, if we were in this text, we would be able to say he rose, all right? When those opportunities come, I want to encourage you to rise. Uh, first, uh, Joshua 1.9 be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God goes with us wherever he goes. Always remember that. He rose, and look what he did. He struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary. Galatians 6, 9. It's basically saying, I'm going to turn there, but it's basically saying, don't, don't give up. When you get tired, when you... It says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. All right? Don't, don't give up on Jesus. He was weary. He could have gave up, but he didn't. But listen to what he did when he was weary. And this is a good lesson. When we get tired, we feel like giving up. We feel like we're the only one taking a stand for biblical morals in our workplace or at school and we're tired, this is what we need to do. It says he clung to his sword. And that excites me. His hand was so weary. Uh, historians, and when I was studying, you know, maybe you're working with a rake, and uh, maybe you got a little arthritis or something, and you've been working with it all day, and uh, you go to let go of it, and you can't. It's cramped on there, all right? That's what happened. This man was fighting with a sword, and his hand became so weary, uh, he couldn't even let go. He clung to it. He clung to it so tight. And I'm telling y'all, that's what we have to do in this world. Uh, when the world's against us, when our own nature's against us, when the enemy comes against us, we have to cling to the sword. What we cling to reveals what we love. It reveals what's important. If Jesus is important, then we'll cling to his word. 
Deuteronomy 13, 4 says this, serve only the Lord your God and fear him alone. Obey his commands, listen to his voice, cling to him. Listen to what Jonah prayed. He was swallowed by the whale. He disobeyed God. God threw him in the sea. Could have left him for dead, but he didn't. Allowed a a fish to come and swallow him up. While he's in that fish, he's praying. And listen to what he says in one of his prayers. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah out into dry land. So this morning, look, we're either clinging to what is good, or we're clinging to what's bad. And we have to evaluate that. Holy Spirit, show us what we're clinging to. Reveal that to us. Uh, 2 Kings 3.1 says this, In the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel and Samaria. He reigned 12 years. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, though not like his father and mother, for he put away the pillar of Baal that his father had made. Listen to this. Nevertheless, he clung to the sin of Jeroboam. So we're either going to cling Again, to sin or we'll cling to the sword. When we're clinging to the sword, there's no way we can cling to sin. But when we're clinging to sin, there's no way we're clinging to the sword. Does that make sense? So he clung to the sword and the Lord brought a great victory that day. And that's a good lesson. When we're clinging to God, we're doing what he wants us to do. Guess what? He's going to take care of everything. He's going to bring the victory. It wasn't Eliza. It was the Lord. And so any good that we do, we need to to remind ourselves, and this humbles us, any good that we do, it's the Lord. It's the Lord in us doing it through us. And it said the men, (laughs) this is good. And this, I'll admit, when I first read this, I got kind of upset. I was like, how dare they do that? All right, y'all remember, he took a stand. Where did the other people go? They withdrew. He stood there. He fought them. He defeated them. The Lord brought a great victory. And guess what? They showed back up. They're like, did you win? You still alive? And the men returned after him only to strip the slain. All right? And that's the part where I said, Don't miss your chance to take a stance so you'll enjoy the dance. Now, Eliza is enjoying the dance. He's getting the spoils from the Philistines that he had just killed. He's getting some benefits from it. But not only is he getting the benefits from it, all those other men who ran off, they've come back, and he's allowed them to get the benefits from it. And you may say, that's not fair. I want you all to think about this. That's the gospel. That's us running away. Think about what the Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross. He rose. And who gets the benefit from him rising and defeating the enemy? We didn't defeat the enemy. We can't defeat the enemy. He took all the blows for us. But guess what? We get to come back to the cross and enjoy the spoils. We get to come back to the cross and enjoy the benefit. Verse 11. 
And next to him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the Hariite. Now, I did some research on uh, this family, and all I could really find from this family is they came from the mountains, okay? Uh, they came from the hills is what they said. And, uh, and so I got to thinking about this, all right? Eliza, his daddy was a commander, a captain, over 24,000 men, was well-known, well-respected. Not really, not much is said about A.G. the Harryite. But can I tell y'all something? It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter where you've been. When you give all your resources to Jesus, he will make great of it. He, he will bring, he can bring, he's the only one that can bring something out of nothing. And, you know, I couldn't find nothing, but he brought something out of it. The Philistines gathered. Now, remember, enemies gathered. Are they there to be our friends? They, they may deceive us and think, want us to believe that, uh, they want to be our buddies, but they, again, they're there to destroy us. They weren't there to be the Israelites' friends. They gathered there at Lehi, where there was a plot of a ground full of lentils. A lot of theologians believe it was just a field of peas. It was during harvest time, and they were out there harvesting. Uh, they were out there just reaping everything, all their hard work, getting the crop up. And the Philistines, one of the ways they would fight the Israelites is they would come at harvest time and destroy their crops or steal their crops. Either way, uh, either if they destroyed it or they stole it, they were wanting to starve the Israelites if they didn't kill them by sword. So they're there at this field, and they're either going to destroy the crops or steal it. And Shammah says, no, not on my watch. Everybody takes off running. And Shema, the scripture says, says this, he stood in the midst of the plot. So he runs to the middle of the field. You know, if it was me, I would be like on the corner of the field and see what I could do with them, you know, fighting them, take a few. And then, you know, if I feel like, oh, they're, they're pretty strong. I could take off running because I'm at the corner of the field. But if you put yourself in the middle of the field, you're saying there's no plan B. Uh, Y'all remember the story of the Spanish explorer, Cortez. He shows up to the shores of Mexico. He tells his uh, people to pull their boats up as far as they can. They do it. They go out exploring. He comes back. And he tells them to burn their boats. And so they burn their ships. And this is the type of attitude that Shammah had. He had a a burn your ship mentality where there was no turning back. It was fight or die, win or die. And that's what Shema had. And he did this because he loved his king. He loved David and he loved the Lord. And our king is Jesus. So I got to ask you your, this question. What's your plot? What's your field that you stand in that you'll run to the middle and you won't compromise and you'll fight no matter what? Is it for your family? Will you run to a pea patch? Is the pea patch your family? Is it biblical morals where you say, all right, there's where I draw the line? Shema knew this. Shema knew this, that if he took off running like the rest of the Israelites, they would come to the backyard. Then you give them your backyard. 
Then they're coming on your back deck. Then you give them your back deck. Then they come to your back door. You give them your back door. Then they're coming in your house and they're going to take over each room of your house. And Shema knew, if I don't take a stand right now, maybe he didn't in the past. Maybe this was a day where he said, all this changes. I'm going to start taking a stand. And so maybe in your mind right now, you're kind of thinking, man, I wish I would have done, took a stand last week. That's okay. Put that behind you. Ask God to forgive you. Move on. But be like Shema today and take a stand in the middle of the field. Don't retreat. When these opportunities arise, now I want y'all to know this. I'm going to read this verse. 1 Peter 3.13. When these opportunities come, it says this, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. This is how we're to do it. I've been guilty of <laughs> probably uh, not doing it this way and turning people off, Okay. I will say this, I've also done it by the textbook and I've still turned people off. <laughs> so sometimes it's not the messenger, it's the message. So don't get discouraged because I don't want you to, you can do it textbook, full of love, gentle, and you'll feel like walking away by things that are being said to you like you just did it in a rage or you did it, you sounded mean. But that's not the truth. It's the message that they hate. It's, it's the God that you serve that they hate. Listen, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And that's what I'm learning. Gentleness and respect. Verse 12, but he took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck down the Philistines. All right, I want to tell y'all just real quick, and we're done, about a man that took a stand, and his name is Long Chair Larry. Have y'all ever heard of Long Chair Larry? All right, I was disappointed when I heard Long Chair Larry was from California because I could have swore, man, he could have been raised and lived in Piedmont or Pelzer, all right, when I found out what he did. Long Chair Larry, you got those pictures? Long Chair Larry got the idea. When he was 13 years old, he walked into an Army surplus store, and he saw these weather balloons, and he got the idea of filling these weather balloons up with helium. And as a 13-year-old, he said, one day, I want to fly. All right, his dream was to fly airplanes, but when he got of age, he could not fly in the Air Force because he, he didn't have good eyesight, so he failed the eye exam for the Air Force, and so his dream kind of went down the drain until he remembered his weather balloons he saw. So Long Chair Larry ordered a bunch of weather balloons and a bunch of helium tanks, and in 1982, he filled these weather balloons up with, he, with helium, tied, go to the next, well, you see that chair right there? <laughs> I still, this is a true story. All right, here's the chair. 
<laughs> they actually got this chair in the Smithsonian, Smithsonian Museum, all right? And uh, yeah, all those are like gallon jugs. And he filled them, <laughs> he filled them up with water. Laird, lawn chair Larry, all right? And he tied the chair to his Jeep. <laughs> he went up. He thought he was only going to go up 30 feet, he said. <laughs> they cut his cords loose. He began to go up. He had a sack lunch. He had his pellet gun. <laughs> he had his pellet gun, and uh, he had a CB radio to keep in touch with his buddies on the ground. <laughs> there he is. He, he's actually, I watched the news uh, they got an old, like, NBC uh, video of it, and I watched it, <clears throat> news, uh, news report. But that's him actually lifting off. They videoed it somehow, all right? <clears throat> so he's, he, he lifted off. He ends up going up 16,000 feet, 16,000 feet, all right? He gets in a lot of trouble. He wouldn't have got caught. But he's up in the air for a long time. He goes up, and the air is so thin, he begins to get dizzy. And, uh, you know, he can't breathe. His breathing's going bad. And so he took his pellet gun, of course. He was kind of nervous about this idea to shoot, start shooting out uh, balloons just so he could descend. It works. He, he kind of figured, he, he knows he has to be careful because, you know, you can get lopsided and he ends up dying. So he's up here in uh, space, all right, and he, he gets into the path of the Long Beach Airport in California. A United Airlines pilot comes flying by him and radios in and says, guys, you ain't going to believe this. There's a guy up here flying in a chair with a gun. <clears throat> And they're like, no, we don't believe it. So uh, when he lands, you would think he would be congratulated. Uh, he gets in a lot of trouble. He lands, they arrest him, all right, uh, because he's in, you know, airline space or whatever, okay? Wouldn't have got caught except for that guy. <clears throat> On his way down, he, he shoots three out. On his way down, he drops his gun, all right? He drops his gun. And so, but finally, he descends back down, all right? Um, I, last night, I was thinking about this story, and I'm like, man, I wonder where that gun is. Like, I wonder if, you know, a kid got in trouble and said, Daddy, it fell from the sky or something, and uh, he was telling the truth. And uh, <clears throat> anyway, so he comes, they arrest him, and I... <laughs> It's hilarious. Listen to this. <clears throat> so they asked him, Larry, uh, why, why did you do this? And this is what he said, and this is funny. He says, a guy just can't sit around. <laughs> <laughs> then he said this. It was something I had to do. I had this dream for 20 years, and if I hadn't have done it, I would have ended up in the funny farm. <laughs> All right. So I want to close with this. He stood up in the midst of that plot. 
like Lone Chair Larry. Man, it's something he had to do. He just couldn't sit around. He couldn't just walk away. He, he, had to, he drew a line in the sand and said, this is it. Uh, I've got to take a stand for this. And y'all, there's all kinds of stuff out there that God probably speaks on our hearts about that we need to take a stand on. We can't sit around and do nothing. And then that verse ends with this, and the Lord worked a great victory. And we got to remember, that's, the victory is from the Lord. It always is and it always will be. The victory in us from the Lord, the forgiveness of our sins from the Lord, the power to keep fighting sin and our sin nature from the Lord, the power to with withstand the the ways of this world from the Lord, the power that one day we'll have when we defeat death. uh, It's not us defeating it, it's Jesus Christ in us. He's the the one that defeated it for us, it's in the Lord. All right, so cling, cling to your sword, cling to the Lord and whatever he speaks, whatever he tells of you. And this this is what I found. When we do, we enjoy the dance. We'll enjoy life. Um, good or bad, the consequences of it. Um, if bad consequences come from doing what's right, we won't regret it. But we will regret when we don't do what's right. We'll always regret that. We'll never regret, man, I wish I wouldn't have lived for Jesus. I wish I wouldn't have took that stance. Uh, we'll always, when we lay our, lay our heads down as as Christ followers, we'll always be glad that we did. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. And God, just give us the power that we need, the strength that we need uh, to take a chance, to take a stance when we're given our chance, Lord. God, thank you for life. And Lord, we know that we enjoy life uh, most when we're living it for you and when we're obedient to you. And so God, just give us that, that courage Give us everything that we need. God, when those opportunities come up, God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to give us the words. Sometimes we're like, I don't know what to say. And so, Lord, help us to just trust in you. Help us to depend on you, on what to say. Even in in our own minds, Lord, if it sounds silly, and we may walk away and say, oh, that was so silly. But, God, we know that you can take words, you can take us, standing up for you and, and, and proclaiming you. You can take those things that we think are silly, God, and you can move mountains with those words, God. You can uh, just bring peace into people's lives, Lord. And uh, God, we just want to represent you. We just want to bring glory to you. And so, Lord, help us to do that. God, again, be with our teachers, our leaders, and our schools and our students this week. I just pray your favor would be upon them, and I pray and ask all these things in your name. Amen.